0: Hi folks, it's Voss here from thechrisvosshow.com, thechrisvosshow.com. Hey, we're coming to another great podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks for joining us today. Oh my gosh, we've got a great interview uh, for you today. This is going to blow your mind and he's written a most excellent book that you're going to really want to appreciate. But to see the video version of this interview, you're going to go to, you want to go to youtube.com, for slash Chris Voss, hit that bell notification button. So you can see all the wonderful things we're doing and brilliant authors that we have over there and here as well. Goodreads.com, for just Chris Voss. Also, you can go to Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all those different places. You can see all the different accounts, groups, and everything we have. And it will blow your mind. Today we have an almost amazing author on the show with us today it's moshe gertz he is the author of the new book that came out february 16 2021 it's all the same to me a torah guide to inner peace and love of Life. This is a pretty amazing book and uh, his journey is uh, quite amazing too. We'll be talking to him about it. And this episode is brought to you by our sponsor ifi-audio.com and their micro iDSD signature. It's a top of the range desktop transportable DAC and headphone app that will supercharge your headphones. It has two brown burr dac chips in it and will decode high-res audio and MQA files. We're using it in the studio right now. I've loved my experience with it so far. It just makes everything sound so much more richer and better and takes things to the next level. IFI Audio is an award-winning audio tech company with one aim in mind, to improve your music enjoyment of quality sound, eradicate noise, Distortion and hiss from your listening experience. Check out their new incredible lineup of DAX and audio enhancement devices at IFI-audio.com. After being signed to a record label as the lead singer and songwriter of a pop punk band, the Wall Street Journal best-selling author we have here today with us, he spent over a decade deeply immersed in the spiritual practice and study of Torah, Kabbalah, and Hasidut. He seamlessly connects and expresses these fundamental spiritual ideas with the universal principles of psychology, spirituality, and self-development. His newest book, the one we have him on here today, has garnered the attention of many other spiritual leaders such as Deepak Chopra and Rabbi Manus Friedman. He understands the true nature of the human mind and our collective struggles and has devoted his life to helping people align with their purpose, peace, and inner joy. He delivers a fresh, new look at consciousness, happiness, and loving the life you live, and is now reaching a global audience that is captivated by his work. Sensitive and soft spoken, his care for those he teaches and his guides is palpable and the palpable gentleman is here today welcome to the show how are you i'm great chris how you doing good good good. good. did i get the hasadute right <laughs> you got it all right all right i'm gonna get in the jewish club eventually i love my jew friends The they don't knock on my door on saturday morning when i'm hung over and ask me if i want to join so awesome sauce <laughs> but uh give us your plugs or people can find you on the interwebs
1: yeah you can check us out on all the uh, social media platforms uh facebook instagram twitter linkedin youtube all at moshe Gersh or youtube.com forward slash uh, moshe and certainly find the book on amazon
0: so this book is pretty cool. It actually has a referral from Deepak Chopra. How's that for fun?
1: Yeah, lots of fun. I was I was really excited by what he had to say and the fact that we got to include him as a you know collaborator with the book is a beautiful thing.
0: There you go. What was the motivation for you wanting to write this book?
1: See, this book actually came out of COVID, out of Corona. Mm-hmm. Like my, I had just come back from New York City, where I was. You know, given a really interesting job offer. I took my family, me and my wife, my three kids. We went out there for about a week and a half to see if we were about to change our entire life from Jerusalem to Manhattan. And we decided it wasn't for us. And the day we left was February 28th, 2020, which is, if you remember, at the end of February, beginning of March, that's when it really hit. When we got back, life wasn't the same as when we left. And so the world closed down I had just finished writing another book, which is also about spiritual self-development and growth. But I found that for the next six to eight weeks, I was locked in my apartment with my family. And I I wanted to be able to put something into words that would really capture what I was working on in my own inner world at the time. So although I, I spent years studying the ideas in here, this really became a deep practice for me during those first eight weeks. And I felt it was something that we could share with the world as we're all going through this together.
0: You really dodged a bullet. What's the Jewish phrase for dodging a bullet or is there one? I, I,
1: I don't know. Maybe, maybe one, I, you guys have I, a different I felt like sort I, dodged a, of... I dodged a missile. There I you
0: mean, go. That there would, you that, go. That, that,
1: would, that would have been bad if we got stuck with it. Yeah, man. you guys I mean, are had used had to doing that, bad.
0: sadly, in in Israel. I've had friends in <laughs> Israel. Kind of, they'll show me like videos where they pull the car. Anyway, so give us an arcing overview of this book and uh, all that good stuff.
1: So the name of the book is It's All the Same to Me. And... Really what it's about is how to find yourself in a space where you feel connected to who you are, where you feel totally authentically real and recognize that the world you live in is not nearly as bleak or dark as many people believe it is, and that it's actually full of opportunity. And when you get into that space and you get into the right rhythm, you find that there's a deep undercurrent of peace and joy and love that exists in, in your nature, it's part of our natural experience is actually to be joyful, to be happy. When you look at kids, before we brainwash our, our little children into the world that they grow up in and they have these agreements and conclusions that they make based on how they're raised, kids play and they have fun and they enjoy their life. And that ends for a lot of people. And I would say most of us at a certain point when it doesn't have to, there's, there's that playfulness, that loving sense of self that exists within So the book is supposed to help a person really tap into those things while actually reaching up and experiencing that there's more to life than just what you know on the surface level.
0: I mean, why didn't you go with sadness and depression? There seems like so many books on happiness. Just kidding. No one wants to read those books. So anyway, (laughs) I just lost the depression audience, but they tune in to see me. So I have those issues too. So I'm sure we're fine. Let's start before we get into some of the details of the book, we've laid out some things so that people can go order the book right away. And I'm sure everyone is doing that now, but you started out a pop punk band you were going to go do. How do we go from that to your spiritual journey and Deepak Chopra and all this stuff, where how does that journey happen?
1: Yeah, music is so much a part of my life, and being ra- I'm born and raised in L.A., so North Hollywood. My vision of the the greatness and future that I wanted to have as a teenager was to be on stage touring around the country, and mm. and I had the privilege and blessing to do that for many years. And after it was right towards the end, we had signed. A, a record deal when i was 18 wow um, and yeah it was awesome such a great time what a special time and do we life.
0: know any hits from this band
1: no the band was called in theory yeah you know, i think there's a, a an old music video on youtube from a track called a new medication that was around at the time but youtube it was 2007 so youtube was still relatively new social media was all like at the time what was big was myspace you remember myspace is that yeah, a I actually have friends you?
0: from myspace which is weird <laughs>
1: yeah that was real. that was like that was the yeah. whole world. Of I think I saw him an account things. over there. yeah, we had at the time, I think we had which was a lot. We had thirty thousand friends on MySpace, and we had like hundreds of thousands of plays on our, whatever the little thing, the media player that they had over there, and things were like exploding. And then we got radio play and things were like really moving forward and we were touring. And at the time, the bands that we were opening up for and spending time with on the road were like Plain White Tees, Yellow Card, Story of the Year, Papa Roach. I don't know if any of those uh, groups ring- resonated Roach. in the bell.
0: Yeah, I, um, I heard of those guys. Yeah,
1: yeah. They were, they were pretty big. So anyway, life was great. And there was a record release party for our, at the time, was most recent record and at the party, somebody came over to me, and he was actually my guitar player. And he said, hey, man, like, how long are we going to do this for? And I thought it was such a funny question. Said, do what? He said, you will play music. Like, how long are we going to do this for? And I, I realized, I don't know what you're talking about. And he pushed the question. And I said, I don't know. We're going to play till we get successful, and then we'll settle down. I, said, I don't know. That's what you do. <laughs> and he was holding a beer in his hand. I could tell that it wasn't his first and, he looked at me and he's like, so when's that? <laughs> I said, when's what? He said, when's successful? I basically said, you get out of my face. So you're like killing my buzz. We're, we're putting out an album right now.
0: What do you want? Uh, hold your breath. It, it's happening.
1: And, but that question burned in me like a fever. I woke up with it the next morning. And I was like, I don't know when it's successful. I never wow. thought about it before. And I sat with that for a week before I made a decision that what success what success meant to me was, I, I guess, I have to look into that and think about it. I never mm-hmm. thought about what it means to be successful. I thought you just do what you love, and that's it. Why add your brain to something that you already you have the talent, you have the creativity, you've got the you've got a record label, you've got the friends, you've got the audience? Like, why would you even consider doing anything else? But it was it's like such an important point in my life to think about: is there a way to do life, or or do you just figure it out as you go?
0: Yeah, for me, I just fumble around and like a drunken idiot. And yeah, knock things over like a bull in a China shop. And then I'm just like somewhere on 50, I go, oh, I could have done better, but why stop now? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Look, It's working for you.
0: <laughs> it's not working for me. That's the problem. When you got a good run, you just got to go for it, man. Yeah. I just got to Just Anyway, I'm just kidding. So was this the Yoko Ono moment that broke up the band? This idea?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It oh. was that, that sat with me. These guys... We're so upset and I love them. If they ever hear this, I love you guys. I'm so sorry. He still loves you guys. Yeah. But but he ran off
0: with the Yoko Ono idea. Don't worry. happened to the Beatles too. It's it's a rite of passage.
1: Yeah. Like I can't use the language they used at me after they found out. Like that's, that was, it was bad news. And we had, we still had, tour set stuff set up we still oh. had shows that we still had to play wow. that we we're and i was under contract and so my record label we had to deal with them and then and the pr and managers oh. and everybody it was the scene so it was like six weeks no mm-hmm. a little bit longer it was like 10 weeks from that question to just getting up and saying okay i gotta search i gotta start searching
0: and i gotta know what instrument did you play with the band
1: i'm a singer and i play guitar oh
0: wow so they lost were you the singer yeah so they lost their singer <laughs> Oh, they just yeah. put out an album. Wow. It was That's insane. like...
1: Uh, 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 what
0: if that what if that album had gone to like straight to the top, man?
1: Yeah, they probably would have brought like, me back.
0: You would have been like that guy who like uh, quit the Beatles or something or the Rolling Stones early on. He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know about this. That, what was the name? Best or something. Um, <laughs> And then they had to bring in Ringo. Yeah, so this is pretty interesting. So where do you go on the journey from there?
1: So when I left... I just remember being on the flight. I was, I was coming to my family, uh, who's from LA, but they made, it, they made a big move when I was 18. They moved to Israel, which I had no intentions of, of ever moving here. But after I went through this, I felt, okay, as a Jewish guy, that's where my roots are, I guess. So I'm going to go look for the meaning of life in Jerusalem. And uh, I got on this flight and I was like halfway laughing and crying at the same time, like just leaving my life behind, mm. uh, but excited about the future and not being stuck anymore and so I show up in Jerusalem in this, uh, it's like in a, an apartment complex that has this middle floor. It's actually a really beautiful area that has uh, this thing called the yeshiva. Do you know what a yeshiva is? No. The yeshiva is a learning center for people to come and study Torah, which is the ancient <laughs> Jewish wisdom. I showed up there. I had no idea what it was going to be like. Just basically before I went to Israel, I called up everyone I knew who knew where you would go to do these things and said, like, where do I go? to find out more and they sent me there and i fell in love like they started talking about ideas that I'd never thought about before and then other ideas that I'd lived with my whole life which always resonated and showing me just a lot of depth and connection just about how life works and how the psyche works and what are we doing in this world and they're big vision ideas and that's it when you fall in love with the you meet it's love at first sight you see the girl you don't ask too many questions you just go for it and it was the same thing with this I just jumped in head first and and then that I I did that for about 13 years, and a lot happened in between landing and 13 years later, but that was my full time, like somewhere between eight and 12 hours a day. I was immersed in either meditation or prayer or learning straight out of text or dialogue. And then at some point that turned into teaching and speaking, giving lectures and classes and and the like. That's a big, like on on one foot, big vision of what happened when I got here. And then a couple years ago, a number of things took place in my life that inspired me to actually want to share this with others i didn't at a certain point you you get to a place like this is can't just be for me like we're all here to grow together we're all here to live together so we have to start sharing the wisdom sharing the wealth of how to live a great life that's what i've been up to
0: there you go so you've written several books to my understanding correct before this one
1: yeah one one other that's published than this and then a a third one that's not yet published but yeah
0: Ah, oh there's a third one coming is it an extension of this book or is it a totally different type of book
1: so it, it is an extension of this book. And oddly enough, I wrote it first. I wrote it mm. for this book. but I, And I see this book, it's all the same to me, that it's come out as more of a primer and a foundation for everything else I write. It's the, mm. the lens through which I see everything else.
0: Mm. Is it called It's All the Same to Me Again? My, my brother,
1: you- the whole book is about how everything's good and things are taken care of and that there's a divine intelligence in the world mm. and all this really beautiful stuff. And my brother told me, after he i think he got a flat tire or a ticket or something he, he said i'm gonna write a book it's called it's all the same to him <laughs>
0: <laughs> well at least you're getting some credit uh, make sure that you get some residual money off that so uh, let's get into the details of the book uh, let's talk about some of the chapters some of the aspects we don't want to give it all away of course but what are some of the things that you like to tease out or talk to readers about some of the important salient points is why they should order it and what's inside
1: Sure. Even before we jump in, I, I like to speak about the title, because I think the title holds, it's all in a name in that regard. And it's all the same to me. It sounds boring to a lot of people. Many people have heard that. It's all the same to me. It sounds like the type of life that I don't want to live. So thank you. Have a nice day. But I think the way that we see it is nothing in this world is the same. No two moments are the same. No two people are the same. No, there there are no two of anything that are exactly the same. We actually live in a world that's completely different, mm. right? We live in a world that's totally separate and totally bifurcated. And we, what do we do to get rapport with somebody? You get into a room and you say, hi, Chris, where are you from? And I immediately try to find where we're the same. I, like we're, look, we're looking for co- commonality and connection mm. with people that we meet. And when we go to places, we're looking for things that are familiar, right? So when you walk into a hotel, you're looking around and you feel good based on how familiar that place looks to you. Mm-hmm. Right? So we're looking for sameness, right that 's like the, the underlying uh, principle of our lives is we feel good when things are familiar, we feel good when things are the same, but the truth is nothing is on the surface and the essence of the book is to really point to two ideas, which is number one, underneath everything, we really are the same, right The world you know came from the same place we 're going the same we 're all part of the same ecosystem we 're all living on the same planet. And and we're all made of the same energy. That which creates me is that which creates you is that which which animates all the things in this reality when we connect to that. So we can start to look beyond differences. In terms of practical application, this has to do with how we look at equality in the world. So hopefully this contributes to again, further removing of of racism or lack of, you know, gender equality, or in all the areas of life where things have tipped like this throughout history, we want to recognize that a lot of those things that that were man-made, in fact, I would say all of them more or less were man-made, the constructs of the mind that we can say that were different, and then one is better or worse. Right, because of that, when really there's so much commonality and there's so much sameness that's there, that's not to take away from individuality, because there's everyone's an individual. Like we said, at the end of the day, we're all separate in that sense, but we're looking for connection and we're looking to see that we're all part of something bigger. So sameness is a good thing, right? Familiarity and connection is a good thing, and when you recognize that it's all the same, right? We're all doing this together at the same time, and I like to think about this a lot, Chris. In hundred years what are people going to think about this moment right now? Probably not much. they are
0: probably going to think we're all idiots, especially those people who didn't wear masks.
1: (laughs) Right. Like we make such big deals out of most most things that are mundane that in a hundred years from now aren't going to matter at all. So it's really, there's, there's so much opportunity to focus on big picture. Just forget the small stuff and recognize that what's truly important is the way that we're looking at each other, at ourselves and the connections and relationships we make.
0: This is really important too, because... My values really changed with this, and I've been talking to a lot of my friends, and I think at the tail end of this, we're going through a bit of retrospection. We're we're going back and go, where have we been the last two years? What have we learned? And what's happening going forward? I've been trying to almost replan my life again as I reenter normalcy or some version of normalcy, and really... Try and learn the values of the moment that I just spent the last year and a half with a lot of other people suffering through this thing, not knowing if I would survive it, not knowing if I get coronavirus. The variables were definitely random. I didn't know if I would get it, if it would be something that would kill me or put me in a hospital. I didn't know if my family would disappear on me. It really centered my values where I used to be running around the world chasing things. Like I need a new car and I need a new this and I need to buy that. And then all of a sudden it was like, wait, the people in your life can be the ones taken from you and all that other stuff really isn't going to matter that much in the end if you don't have the people left around you. And so it really re-centered my values. I think a lot of people, and it really, I've thought about what's going on because I'm trying to focus on that moment and make sure that This bullshit I went through in a year and a half hasn't been wasted because that would be the biggest tragedy, I think, of this moment, what we've gone through in the last year and a half, if we do not learn the lesson. What do you think about that?
1: I couldn't agree more. That's so much for me. Like I said in the beginning, this is really the impetus for me writing the book to begin with. I just felt like there was so much that I was going through in terms of trying to, like the the language that you used, wanting to be centered and grounded even more deeply in myself, in my relationships and the way that I experience life. And all of a sudden you're getting waves of anxiety and you're getting waves of depression because you're locked in your house for weeks and weeks at a time. And you're getting waves of restlessness. And then when you're locked in the same place with the same people for a very long time. So then you got to make sure that your relationships are staying, you know, healthy and and, and safe and holy and make sure that the, the way that you are relating to people. So all those things were happening at the same time. It was like a, it was like a crucible for your emotions to become more rarefied and clear of what is really important in your life. What are those things that are going to mean more to you when the, when you come out of this on the other side? And exactly like you said, we're all and I think we're all feeling that now in a lot of ways. And if you're in any country and you're listening to this and you're just got coming out of it on some level. Okay, so now I want to reintegrate in the world. What am I taking with me? Yeah, I'm right there with you. And, and I like the way
0: you described that. What am again? I taking with me? Yeah. Yeah. Let me see this what tools and stuff are in the book that we can utilize to to help focus on these different items. And you talk a little bit about ego too in the book to my understanding.
1: That's right. The way that I understand it, right, in Hasidut. So ego is it's called yeshut which means business, the part of you that wants to stand out that wants to be a winner, that wants to be the best, that wants to compete and therefore is constantly comparing and judging and assessing all the different things in the world to make sure that you can, you can exist, that you can stand out. But the root of that, the root of the part of ourselves that like wants to be different, that o- but overly wants to be individualized, which is the source of separateness. Mm-hmm. Part of you that wants to be different is actually the, the same part of you that says, I must be different, therefore we're not the same. And the moment that I look at you and say, oh, we're equal, so I've on some level lost my individuality, if I say that there's sameness over here, so then maybe I've, I run the risk of not having respect, mm-hmm. maybe I'll lose respect there. Maybe I'm going to lose clout, maybe I'm going to lose power, maybe I'm going to lose um, an opportunity. And there's fear, there's so much fear that drives what we do. And one of the major motivations over here is going to be, how do we change our mode of being from fear motivation to more kind of like loving, enthusiastic inspiration, right? Mm. We want to be motivated to not from, right? We want to be inspired to go somewhere instead of being afraid. And therefore that's why I do all the things in my life. So this ego is really at the center of the book. And I think it's at the center of all practice. Any, Any spiritual practice you go to doesn't matter where it's from, you're going to see it right there as the centerfold, because that's really what we're dealing with. We're dealing with, am I going to let the, the bad part of myself get the best of me in my relationships and in my in my work life and in the way that I relate to my kids, like in, in, in every aspect. And it's just becoming aware, you asked, in, in terms of the book, if we're talking about tools. Chapter seven, there's an entire chapter that just starts going through tool after tool that you can apply in your day-to-day life to try to bring these ideas into reality where it's not just... A thought in your head. And the name of the chapter is awareness is the key. And that's really the beginning of all spiritual practice. And if you ask me the, and, and probably ask any CEO or, or any major athlete or any successful actor, a, any person who's great in their field, awareness is the key of all things, which is, are you aware of your body right now? Are you aware of your emotional state right now? Are you aware of what's taking place in your mind right now? Are you aware of the things that are in your environment right now? All those little things—that's the beginning of growth, the beginning of change, and the beginning of greatness—is are you awake? Because most mm-hmm. of us are sleeping. We're usually sleeping as we go through life.
0: Yeah, the, that was one of the things I learned about being present and being aware of what was going on. Because I, there was a point in my life several years ago where I was just so much in my head, and there was so much madness going on. I just was. I, my dogs would come in to me and spend time with me, and. And I would be petting them, and I'd just be like, I'm not here. Like I'm not even capturing this moment, and I'm not I'm not present. And so I had to go through that whole ego of being present sort of uh, thing to try and figure out what was going on with me and how to get that stuff moved to the background so that I could be in a present state.
1: What did you do for that? What was your practice when you got there?
0: Uh, basically, I, someone referred to me the book by Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. And so I sat down and read it, and I realized what was going on with me and just had to do the battle to get to presence and to get centered. And that madness that goes on your head, that constant, whether you're braiding yourself or whether you're focused on 50 million things. My dog's life, which are my kids, were basically going by me. And I recently lost a dog and realized there was, a, I'm sorry, it was, a, it was about three years ago I'd, I'd lost my dog. And, and I realized that in her last few months and, and stuff. We're going through a hard time with hospice care, but I'd, I'd been wrapped up in a lot of different other things. And I was probably dealing with it then that way, but I didn't really spend enough, as much time as I wanted to in her last few months to spend more time with her, or at least to be present, if you will. And it's a good lesson to learn in life.
1: Yeah, no, it's really, it's the forefront. It's really the Everything else is secondary to whether you're here, mm-hmm. right? If, yeah. you, if, if you're here, if you're present, then now we have a conversation. All the other things are so secondary because you can go through life and then you wake up like you said, where was I? Hopefully I you took some pictures mm-hmm. on your phone along the way so you can remember.
0: Yeah, we did <laughs> lots of pictures and videos, fortunately. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, there, it was a hard time. And, and she there was only so much time I could spend with her. She spent a lot of time sleeping and, and going off. But yeah, getting present to where, you know, like that was my problem. My dogs would come in and I'd be working and, and they'd want love and attention or come play dad. And I'd be sitting there petting them. And I'd be like looking at them and I'd be like, I'm just not here. Like, I'm not feeling this moment. I'm not, Really understanding them i 'm just lost in this world of, of fog that 's in my head, and so I, I had to really start focusing on I need to be here like I need to be in this moment and I think a lot of people maybe get they go on autopilot sometimes, especially you get older in life it 's so easy to do autopilot and you just go
1: that's right it's funny but you catching that in that moment if you're using the petting your dog as the example and and you notice that you're not here that's already you' you're fifty percent the' in that moment even just noticing that means you're there now you just want to be more you just want to be present with your dog as opposed to with your mind in that moment but that's that is the key that's the mm-hmm. beginning because now you can shift your focus and say okay wait a second I can turn the phone off or I can turn the computer off or I can at least walk away from it for the next 15 minutes and spend the time with the people that I want to spend with And then go back as opposed to trying as as soon as we try to multitask, which we live in a generation, which is constantly more meaning. I don't know if we know how to do anything other than multitask. Yeah. That's our whole life. You know, your phone is off the hook all the time.
0: Yeah. Were you saying something to me? I was busy texting while you said that. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So what are some other aspects of the book that we haven't covered?
1: Yeah, I think maybe one of the big ones is I try to, I, I bring in the concept of a higher power. So whether or not you relate to that as God or the universe or mm-hmm. just a higher power or spirit, or I'm really, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, and we'll use, you brought up Eckhart Tolle. I like the way that he doesn't use the word God in, in his book. Mm -hmm. directly where he relates to it as being but he also explains himself very clearly in the beginning which is i don't want to use language that's going to turn you away from the experience of that which i can give you but i really want to give that to you he actually he came to speak here in israel a couple years ago and i went to go see him and it was phenomenal he gave a beautiful talk for two hours and at the very end he like said just i'm talking about god (laughs) <laughs> you know, like at, at at he's like at the at the very end went into the mic, and uh, he's really funny. But he was great. And when I think about the essence of the book, call it what you want, that's the essence of the book. Mm-hmm. That we come from the same place, we're animated in the same spirit, and we we're, we're moving towards an intentional vision of reality. And we have a part in that. We all play a role in that. And that things are happening. In such a sublime, divine, perfect way that even in the darkest dark of night in one's life, that's part of it. That's part of the good that can happen. It's part of the good that can be expressed. And even if it means that there should be tragedy, we're going through a major tragedy here in Israel right now. And I have a a dear friend who lost uh, his 13-year-old son last week in this thing. And it's horrific, devastating absolutely devastating and and the whole community feels it and you walk into the room where this person is sitting in mourning and all he's doing all day the father and the, there's two brothers there also and actually the mom and a few sisters there's i think there's seven of them it's crazy very, very sad anyway you get in there you sit in with the only conversation the whole time is either speaking about how beautiful and wonderful their son is and how We have to take strength from this and we have to grow from this and we have to look for the good, make changes in our lives, recognize that there is a divine plan. There's more to life than we can see. There's more The coincidence. There's no such thing as coincidences, right? That two people get on the phone together, two people meet in a cafe. You get stuck at a red light and something happens to you, that there are no accidents in this universe. And the question's not you can't always focus on why they happen, but you can focus on what now. You don't always, yeah. You don't always get the reasons, but you always have the opportunity to connect to be present and then take a step forward and grow because of that. So I think that's maybe if we're looking all the way in, like the biggest vision of what the book is helping with is how do you tap into that? How do you live with that more presently in your life? Because once you have that, the fear which drives everything else is gone. Because mm-hmm. what if you knew that? You know, a lot of people ask me, people come to me a lot, ask me, I'm trying to work out my purpose. What's my purpose in this world? What's my purpose in life? And um, now what if I told you your purpose is what you're doing right now?
0: It's to be on podcasts.
1: It's to be up on the Chris Voss show. Exactly. That should be everyone's <laughs> that,
0: purpose. Well, that, people well I like.
1: it's, my, it's my purpose in life this moment for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you're fulfilling your purpose. I'm glad we can help you. That's what we do here on The Chris Foss Show. We fulfill people's purpose. In fact, I think that's the new advertising tagline we're using, and we're going to add it to Apple, right?
1: We fulfill your purpose.
0: Yeah. Maybe I should sell it to my audience and be like, do you want to fulfill your purpose? Subscribe now to the Chris Voss show that, or I don't know anybody's fulfilling their purpose on this show or uh, listening to it. I don't know. I'm just kidding. My audience gets me. Uh, this has been pretty insightful, man. And it's probably the perfect book for the perfect time, given what's gone on with uh, this moment where we're starting to move out of coronavirus. And we're like, Hey man, we can go outside again.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's nice to be outside. I got to be honest with you. It's been so good to be on the other side of this yeah. like, to some degree. Like here where we are, like 80% of the country is vaccinated. So oh, really? You guys yeah, are doing better we, than us. I think we had 13, 13 cases in the country on Sunday and like 60 cases in the country us. yesterday. So Damn, it's been good. It works.
0: Good. Yeah. It works. That's awesome. We're still doing good. In fact, we're having some herd immunity problems where we got some of the herd that's just wandering about. You know, but there's those people. If you guys want them, we'll ship them to you. But anyway, no, this is really great. So, as we go out, any last uh, things you want to say about the book? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know,
1: I think. For me, the purpose of writing this book was to try to help people understand themselves a little bit better, to understand life a little bit better, but more than that, to actually feel their life being guided by grace, to be living life in a way that they feel that I can I can be happy or at least at peace and feel love and joy in any moment of my life. That's possible. And the feedback that I've received is that people feel that as they go through it and as they come out of it. So... Hopefully people, more people will be able to get that from it when they do read it.
0: That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Give us your plugs where people can look you up on the interwebs and order up the book.
1: So yeah, you can definitely get it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And you can find me and everything else I'm doing, all our social media fees, youtube.com slash Moshe Gersh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all at Moshe Gersh. And you can check us out at www.moshegersh.com.
0: There you guys go. Check out the book, guys. It's been wonderful spending time with you today. Thank you for uh, taking the time for us all the way from the other side of the world there and uh, enlightening us with this beautiful information.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you, Chris.
0: Thank you. So order up the book, guys. You can get it on Amazon or your booksellers. It's all the same to me, a Torah guide to inner peace and love of life. This is an important thing to do. And like I said earlier, the worst thing we can do is go through all that we just went through the last year and a half, not learn anything, love it, maybe not realign our values and realign our life and what we're coming to here and redesigning our life, if you will. I've definitely taken those moments. Thanks, Minus, for tuning in. Uh, go to a Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. Instagram, all the different groups that we have out there. Uh also go to what is it, goodreads.com, Fort sure. Chris Foss. You can go to YouTube.com foreslash sure. Chris Foss. See all the wonderful things we're doing. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Tell your friends to subscribe to the show because uh, this is how we complete people. So there you go. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you guys next time.